hear what he has to say to us through his word. We continue with our <coughs> series that we started last week, A Church After God's Own Heart. Um, a Church After God's Own Heart. Last week we looked at why it is important to be looking at this series and thinking about it and making it our aim and our goal and our desire to be a church after God's own heart. We saw um, from the scriptures that um, when we desire to be a church after God's own heart, we have the right focus and we know how to relate with the world and we also are warned not to drift away from from God. And today, as we look at, as, as, as we zoom into this series and, and, and we, we look at the anatomy of, of a church after God's own heart, the first thing I want us to look at is that a church after God's own heart is gospel-centered. A church after God's own heart is gospel-centered. And I want us to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, and next week we'll look at verse 3, continuing with... Uh, this gospel-centered um, part of it. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. <coughs> Paul writes to the, to, to the church in Corinth, and this is what he says in verse 1 and 2. I read from the ESV. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And this is the word of God. Let us uh, pray. Lord, your word is true. Your word is authoritative. And your word continues to speak to our lives. Your word is alive. We pray, Father, that you may open our ears and our hearts, that as we hear your word, O oh God, it will work in every area of our lives, transforming us from one form of glory to another. We pray, God, help us to see, to see you, to see your will, to see your desire for your church, O oh God. Give us a heart that will look to you and obey you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, people are, are very forgetful. Thank you. I don't know if, this, if, if I should say this is normal, but it is, it is a common thing among people. Think about it. Have you walked into a room looking for something and only to find that you forgot what you were looking for. You, you probably took time even this morning to, to look for your car keys or to look for your house keys. And sometimes we forget where we parked. After you get out of the mall, you start to look around, trying not to look embarrassed, looking where you, you parked. We forget people's names, right? What's your name again? When they've told you more than three times, we forget where we met people. Just recognize the face and where have I seen you? We forget people's phone numbers. We forget even our phone numbers sometimes. We forget wallets at the shop, at the shop counter after paying uh, for the groceries. 
and we forget to defrost the meat for dinner. Although we, we, we have all fallen victim to this kind of forgetfulness, one thing that we must make sure we never ever forget, one thing that must never ever slip out of our minds is the gospel. We, we, we can forget all those things, but the gospel must never, ever slip out of our minds. The gospel is a central doctrine of the Christian faith. It is the heartbeat of the church. In fact, the church exists because of the gospel. Paul in Acts chapter 20, chapter 20 verse 28, when he charges the elders in, in Ephesus to, to, to pay attention to themselves and to all the flock of God, he describes the church this way. He says, it is the church of God which he obtained with his blood. The gospel is the life of the church. To miss the gospel is to miss everything about Christianity. So Paul, aware of this condition to forget, writes to this church to remind them of the gospel and why it should be at the center of, of, of their lives as Christians. The church in Corinth was plagued by all manner of problems and, and confusions. And in chapter 15, he shows that uh, the root of all these problems is due to the neglect of the gospel. Notice first uh, in verse 1, he says, I would remind you, brother, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. In other words, Paul is saying to them, after all the problems and the confusion that I have addressed in your midst, let me bring to your memory something that you have missed. The gospel I preached to you, forgetting and neglecting this gospel has given birth to all your problems. All that is happening in your midst is as a result of forgetting and neglecting the gospel. When we look at the broader context of, of 1 Corinthians and even the testimony of scripture um, to, 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 to show even how, how um, this, uh, all, 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 all books in the Bible are, 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 are harmonious, we, we see the implications of forgetting the gospel. We see what are the implications of getting the gospel. I just want to mention a few even before we get into the text itself. Um, the, the, the implications of forgetting the gospel. First, when we forget the gospel, we open a door to false teaching that blinds us to the truth. When we forget the gospel, we open a door to false teaching that blinds us to the truth. Especially right here in, in chapter 15, Paul makes a case for the resurrection. And because he does this, because there were some in the church who were denying the, the resurrection of, of, of believers, the bodily resurrection of believers. They were denying that reality. And Paul makes a case for the resurrection of the saints by pointing or by looking at the bodily resurrection of Christ himself. And he says in verse 12, 
After making this case, in verses 1 to, 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 to verse 11, he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has been, then even Christ has, 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 has not been raised. Even Christ has not been raised. You see, when we forget the gospel or neglect the gospel, we open the door for all manner of false teaching. False teaching steals the Christian hope. It steals your hope. It steals your joy. Again, when we forget the gospel, it causes us to take sin lightly. It causes us to take sin lightly. The gospel shows us how God takes sin seriously. Sin is so serious in the sight of God that Jesus, the Son of God, had to die in order for it to be properly dealt with. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 to 5, addresses the issue of sexual immorality in, in the church where a man was sleeping with his father's wife. But, but instead of the church responding to, 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 to this sin biblically, they tolerated it. They accepted it. They didn't respond to this sin with godly seriousness, but with arrogance against holiness. In chapter 6, verse 20, after Paul addresses the issue of sexual immorality and, and calling believers to flee from sexual immorality, he, he makes a point, as you look at verse 20, his point is that the gospel is motivation for a holy life. The gospel does not free us to sin. It frees us from sin. Are we getting it? It, it is motivation. He says, for you were bought with a price. And as a, because you are bought with a price, glorify God in your body. You see that? The, the motivation that one is bought with a price is motivation for living a life that honors and glorifies God. And when we forget the gospel, we will not take sin seriously. We will take it very lightly. Again, forgetting the gospel causes us to think that we deserved to be saved. It causes us to think that we deserve to be saved. And notice in, 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 in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 26 and following, Paul reminds these believers that God did not call them because he was attracted to them. He, he did not save them because they were attractive and he, he, he couldn't keep it to himself. He just had to save them. In fact, they were the opposite of that. Listen to what Paul says to them. He says, for consider your calling, brothers. 
not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. But God chose what is weak and, and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who become to us the wisdom of God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the law. You see, the gospel reminds us that it is not because of our wisdom or our power or noble birth that we are saved, but it is because of him. You see what Paul is saying? He says it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. He, he credits our salvation totally and only to God. He says it is because of him, not because you are wise, not because you are strong, not because you are of noble birth. Those things that God did not look at. It is because of him. When we forget the gospel, we forget the truth. We think that we deserved it. We think that God was so attracted and he, he just couldn't keep it to himself. He just had to, he just had to get these people who, who just are so attractive. Again, forgetting the gospel leads us to think that sinners are out there and not in here. Are we, are we getting that? We think that sinners are out there and not in here. And here's just, when you just open the doors of, of the church, you can hear even angels singing. Because there's so much holiness in here. There's so much righteousness. And we, we think that there's no sin in here. Instead of continuing to apply the gospel in our daily growth, we grow dull and, and, and we think that we, we need something more than the gospel because the gospel is something that should be preached to those who are outside the church and not to us who are inside because we think we are just fine, right? We, we think that we have figured everything out. That we don't need to be told about, about repentance, about confession of sin. We, we, we don't need to hear all that because, I mean, we're we okay. We feel that we are okay, you know? We figured it all out. We are not sinners. Sinners are out there. If this is the case... Let me submit to you that we have started being cups that are clean on the outside, but inside are dirty. We have become gravestones that are, that are shiny and, and, and beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead people's bones. In other words, if we think 
the gospel is not for us in the church, then we have mastered the art of hypocrisy. We have started to have PhDs in hypocrisy. We work on our outside. We look good. We talk right. We walk right. Not dealing with the heart. The gospel addresses the heart. It, it, it exposes the heart. So, so for Paul, <coughs> the health of the church depends on being gospel-centered. And, and to forget this will lead to the church drifting away from what it was called to be. The church must be gospel-centered. If we are to be a church after God's own heart, then we must start by being gospel-centered. Amen? So in verse 1 and, and 2, Paul points out the importance of this urgent reminder by the, the urgent reminder about the gospel by, by giving us four compelling reasons. We, we should never forget the gospel. Four compelling reasons we should never forget the gospel. He says, this gospel was preached. We received it. We stand on it. And we are being saved by it. Let us look at the first compelling reason why we should never forget the gospel. He says, it was preached. Look at the words of Paul. He says, now I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. You see that? The gospel I preached to you. Paul reminds the church in Corinth that he preached this gospel to them. The, the word that he uses here for preached, in the Greek, it is where we get the word evangelize. Paul says, I evangelized you. This is very important to note because before our Lord Jesus Christ ascended uh, to heaven, he gave his disciples a commission to make disciples of all nations. And, and again, in, in, in Acts chapter 9, personally, um, on, on, on Paul, when, when, when he, he was going to Damascus and, and, and Jesus Christ stopped him on his way to persecute Christians um, and, 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 and drew him to himself. Remember, as you look at the narrative of Acts chapter 9, Jesus Christ sends Ananias to Paul, right? And, and Ananias is scared that this man used to persecute the church. He used to kill believers. Lord, why, why should I go to this kind of man? I might be killed. Listen to what God says to Ananias uh, concerning Paul in verse 15 of Acts ch chapter 9. But the Lord said to him, the Lord is, is speaking to, to Ananias, Go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine, speaking about Saul. For he is a cho chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and, and, and the children of Israel. For so I will show him how we must he must suffer for the sake of my name. What's the point here? Why are we looking at this? The point is that Paul did not come to the Corinthians presumptuously. He came having been divinely commissioned to preach the gospel. 
He says, I preached to you the gospel. And, and if Paul is sent by the Lord, that means the authority of the Lord is behind him. That means the message that he preaches is from the Lord himself. And, and it, is, it is a very serious message. It is not a, a, a breaking news that is breaking news today, but next week is old news. It is news that concerns life and death. We, we also should note the fact that when any man who preaches the true gospel, and, and let us emphasize that point, the true gospel, it, it, that man who preaches the true gospel is commissioned by God. It is God who sent man to preach the gospel. And if this is the case, we must ask ourselves, what is our attitude towards the gospel? How do we respond to the gospel message? Do we receive it with joy? Or, or do we find it uninteresting? Do we want something more than the gospel? Or do we want to add to the gospel. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews warns the Christians, writing to them, saying in, in chapter 1, verse 2, he says this, he says, Therefore, we must pay close attention to what we heard, lest we drift away from it. The, the message of the gospel is so important that we must pay close attention to it. We, we must make sure that we, 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 we hear the gospel with joy when it is preached. Paul says, I preached to you the gospel. A.B. Simpson is reported to have said that the gospel tells rebellious men that God is reconciled, that justice is satisfied, that sin has been atoned for, that the judgment of the guilty may be revoked, that the condemnation of the sinner is cancelled, the curse of the law is blotted out, the gates of hell are closed, the portals of heaven are wide open, the power of sin is subdued, the guilty conscience is healed, the brokenhearted is comforted, the sorrow and the misery of the fall is undone. That is the gospel. Paul says, I preached to you the gospel. Not only did he preach the gospel to them, but the second compelling reason we must not forget the gospel is that we received it. We received it. Listen to what he says. He says, now I preach to you, brothers. I, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. You see that? Which you received. Uh, this shows that they heard the gospel and responded to it. The gospel message demands a response. It is not an abstract message, but it is a message that can determine our eternity. It demands that the hearer responds. 
One cannot hear the gospel in its clarity and not respond. There must be some kind of response. It's either you reject it or you receive it. There must be a response to the gospel. Once preacher once said that once said about the gospel proclamation that the gospel makes some people sad, some people mad, and some people glad. It is better that people should go out of church mad than merely go out neither sad, mad, or glad. There must be some kind of response to the gospel. You cannot hear the gospel and just leave it like that. There's no neutrality when it comes to the gospel. Paul says to the Corinthians, this gospel I'm reminding you of is the one you received. This echoes the words of Paul to the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, listen to what he says to them. He says, and we also thank God constantly for this. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is. The word of God, which is at work in you believers. The word of God, which is at work in you believers. I wonder if this could be said of you. Have you received the word of God? Have you accepted it for what it is? Does your life demonstrate the fact that you received the gospel? And I'm saying this because sometimes people say they have received the gospel, but when you observe their lives, it is a different story. It tells a different tale. They are lives that are characterized by ungodliness and, and sin. But still, they say, I received the gospel. But there's no change of life. Receiving the gospel is, 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 is demonstrated by a change of life. James describes how this reception of the gospel must look like. In James chapter 1, verse 21, he says, Therefore, putting away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. You see that? Receiving the gospel will result in putting off all, not some of it, all filthiness and rampant wickedness. You cannot claim to have received the gospel and, and continue in sin joyfully without any conviction of the Holy Spirit on your life. I'm not saying that an a believer cannot sin, but I'm saying a, a believer cannot stay in sin unrepentant. The question is not if you continue in sin, whether you receive the gospel. The fact is you have not received the gospel. 
Not only was the gospel received, but the third compelling reason we must not forget the gospel is that we stand on it. We stand on it. The last part of verse 1, he says, Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. In which you stand. The word stand means literally to take up or, or maintain a specific position or, or posture. Paul uses the word figuratively in this verse, meaning that the Corinthians had adopted and remained in a resolute position or, or attitude regarding the gospel. They remained resolute and, and had an attitude of, of standing the, in the gospel. William Buckley writes that the gospel was something in which the Corinthians stood. The very function of the good news was to give a man stability. In a slippery world, it kept him on his feet. In a tempting world, it kept him in a tempting world, it gave him resistance power. In a hurting world, it enabled him to endure a broken heart or an agonized body and not to give in. Moffat uh, finally translates Job's chapter 4, verse 4. He says, your words have kept men on their feet. The gospel keeps men and women on their feet. In the midst of difficulties, in the midst of challenges, in the midst of the winds of, 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 of false teachings that are blowing from every direction, when you are standing on the gospel, you are standing on solid rock. Standing on the gospel means that you have a foundation. You're standing on the strong foundation. You have a place to handle life. You have a security to which you can resort at any time for any time of pressure and problem. And you can stand strong. No matter what the kind of force comes against you. When you believe that God has forgiven your sins for Christ's sake, when you believe that God loves you and, accept, and has accepted you as his child, when you believe that he is working in you by the power of his resurrected life to enable you to live and love as you ought to, to, to do, you, you have staying power in you. And he enables you to say no when you need to say no. You have a place to stand that can handle anything that comes. Uh, that is what Paul said to these Corinthians that they had done. They, they were loved by God. Therefore, they had a place of emotional security. That is the first thing the gospel does. In the face of even as uh, um, as I, 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 I see that sometimes we, we become worried about um, the future. And I mean, we, we, we don't know what, what will happen, you know. We have no idea about the future because we are not omniscient, right? We are not omniscient. And, 
But in the face of an uncertain future, the gospel gives us a sense of certainty. It reminds us, as we read in those wonderful words of Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, that there is one who is above all principalities and rulers and authorities and powers. He is in charge of all human events. When you fail and slide away and slip, the gospel is the place where you find recovery and an ability to come back again. When you are sick of soul and hungry of heart, you, you find relief and forgiveness and healing for your hurting heart. And that is the gospel. In fact, the, the, the fact that God loves you, despite all, all your failures and all your weaknesses, means that you can stand on the gospel. He's always ready to pick you up again and wash you. to start out anew and teach you to walk in his strength and, and by his grace. That is the place to stand. False teaching will not give you stability. It doesn't matter how much it is. it sounds nice to the ears, but at the end of the day, it is like wrapping a blanket around wind. It is nothing. It is nothing. It will mislead you, deceive you, leave you broken, leave you, leave you without hope. The place to stand is the gospel and the gospel alone. If we were to take the words of Martin Luther when he said those famous words, here I stand, I can do no other. This is where we stand on the gospel. Not only is it something that we stand on, but the fourth and last compelling reason why we, we must not forget the gospel is that we are saved by it. Look at verse 2. We are saved by it. He says, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul makes a clear point that it is by this gospel that they are being saved. And notice the word uh, that he uses there. He says, being saved. It is in the present active tense. You are being saved. And what does that mean? When we think about salvation, it has three aspects to it. It is that we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Let us explain that. When we say we are saved, we, we talk about justification. Justification is when a sinner stands before God guilty, and God, uh, based on the finished work of Christ on the cross, declares the sinner righteous and, and just. As we see in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, uh, Paul says, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So justification 
speaks of our positional relationship with God. It speaks of coming to faith for the first time. That is justification. Now, we are saved, justification. We are being saved, sanctification. Sanctification is the continued work of God in the believer's life. As we walk in this world, God continues to do what? To cleanse us through his word. Isn't that what Jesus Christ prays for in John chapter 17, 17? He says, sanctify them in your word, for your word is truth. This is what God continues to do in our lives on a daily basis. We are being sanctified, and it is referred to in the Bible as being saved. We are being saved. It is the continued work of God in our lives. And again, we are saved justification. We are being saved sanctification. We will be saved glorification. Glorification is, is when we are absent from this world. It's either by death or when Jesus Christ comes back to take his church. It is when we are in the presence of God free from all sin. From the influence of sin, the presence of sin, the power of sin. Free from sin in the presence of God. That is glorification. When Paul says we are being saved here by the gospel, he is referring to the second aspect of, of salvation. Sanctification. In other words, he's saying that the gospel continues to be relevant even, even after being justified, even after being made right with God. The gospel continues to be uh, 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 relevant in our lives. It continues to, uh, God continues to use the gospel in our lives as, as Christians to, to make us holy, to, to, to sanctify us, to cleanse us, to purify us, and to prepare us for glory. When we become Christians through the gospel, we live and walk as Christians with the gospel. And we await the return of our Lord because of the gospel. There is no point in the Christian life where the gospel is not relevant. There is no greater message than the gospel. We, we don't move from level one of the gospel to another level. We stay on the gospel. We stand on it. The, the gospel is not only the power of God for salvation, but I would go as far as saying it is the power of God for continuing as Christians. Continuing in the Christian faith. You see, a Christian life is like a fish in the water. The fish cannot live as a fish outside the water. In the same way, a Christian cannot live as a Christian without the gospel. Paul says that it is by the gospel that you are being saved. Then he qualifies that statement by a conditional clause. He says... If you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And this is where it's very important to see why Paul is reminding them of the gospel. You can see the urgency in, 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 in Paul's tone as he, he writes to these believers about the gospel. It, it is very important because... 
We might claim to have heard the gospel. We might claim to have received the gospel and, and to stand on the gospel and, and, and to, 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 to be saved, to, to continue being saved by the gospel. But we might find that what we received was not truly the gospel. There are so many people who say they have received Christ and all that they have received is the pastor himself. So many people say they have received Christ, but they were called to follow their desires, right? An unrepentant, unregenerate man, if he's called to say, in Christ, your life will be of ease and, and you will have everything that you want. God will be to you like, like, like a vending machine. You will just press by a prayer and everything that you want will come to you. Don't you think people will be attracted to that? They will come running in numbers. Isn't that what we see? They run and, and we think, oh, 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 Africa is a lot of Christians. But when we look at the when we, 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 we look at that fabric of religion in, in, in our in our townships, in, in, in our in our cities, in, in our villages, it is not the gospel that the, that the Bible talks about. It is not the gospel that Paul preached. We must be careful to examine these things. You must not come to church and say, it is because it's Pastor Garabo, then everything is true. Examine these things for yourself. Spend time in the word. He says, you are being saved if, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. To show that we are saved by the gospel. We are standing on the gospel. We received and heard the gospel. It will be displayed if we hold fast to it. If we are not holding fast to the gospel, we never received the gospel at first. It's very important to stay on the gospel. You see, when someone is taking chronic medication, they know the importance of remembering to take their medication exactly as the doctor prescribed. It is the same with us. That the chronic illness is sin. And the only remedy is the saving gospel of God. To neglect this is to neglect life itself. Now I would remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, in which you are being saved. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We pray that we will always keep the gospel in the center of our lives. That the gospel will be what energizes us, what motivates us, what inspires us, what keeps us standing in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of hardship. Because we know that this saying is trustworthy. 
that you have prepared a home for us. And you're not ashamed, you're not ashamed to be called our God because you prepared a home for us. May we love you and honor you, continue living a life that seeks to glorify you each and every day. Glorify your name even at the hearing of your word and remind us of it each and every day. Amen.